Family Life Experiment, have you ever wondered if work-life balance is really possible for a lawyer? We have too. So let's put it to the test. Join us as we experiment with proven tips and tricks to address everyday lawyer problems. I am Anya Smirnova. And I am Frida Levitsky. Hello and welcome to our next episode of the Lawyer Life Experiment. Today we want to talk about mental health in the legal profession. But before we move to that juicy topic, we will unpack the experiment from our last episode. Our last episode was about the great resignation, about how many people decided to change their career direction during, because of COVID or in the aftermath of COVID, and why are people making these choices and how to retain your talented staff. And the experiment uh, we came up with was aimed at the HR professionals and at managers to come up with five examples that show how you practice what you preach in terms of good work-life balance and to share with your team what you do and why you do it. Frida, how was the experiment for you? Well, it was a little different due to the fact that um, I'm obviously self-employed and I work for my own, own company, so I don't have stuff around me. But my whole business of braiding boundaries is around creating work-life balance so that you can get a more healthy, happy and fulfilling lifestyle, professionally and personally. And as a result, I am constantly practicing work-life balance and I am telling people how I do that. I think I can tick off the five ways that I practice work-life balance. I go to the beach, I go to I walk the dogs, as you can hear in the background, who are <laughs> quietly tuning in at the moment. <laughs> I I do yoga, I spend time with friends and family, I you know, I really, I really make the most of my my evenings and my time so it works for me. And I fall off the wagon sometimes. I'll be honest, you know, I don't get it right all the time. I'm not perfect. So I would say that I'm I Yesterday, I cancelled my yoga in the morning because I, I literally had too much work to do. And I noticed it, I acknowledged it, and I kicked myself for it. But, you know, it is a day and it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop it um, or stop yoga altogether going forward. So, yes, I think it was a good experiment and brought a lot of awareness to where I am in my journey. Mm. And you? I love How it. Uh, similarly to your experience, because I'm a coach and I work with people and I coach people, a lot of them are professionals in the legal world. And a lot of the topics we discuss is about going through a life shift, career progression, becoming a parent and balancing work life. That many topics that my clients bring, they resonate with my personal experience of how am I being. And it's like, a mirror of, of also what I'm choosing, what I am committing to. There is a saying in the coaching world that your clients bring to you uh, what the, you as a coach need to work on yourself. And uh, it works uh, every time it works. There is something I take away from each coaching session, learning from my uh, clients. I think big, two big takeaways for me were how I become enthusiastic about too many things and about too many good practices. And however good these practices are, but if I don't manage to practice them and I just get disheartened by not, <laughs> by not doing any of them. So my conclusion was actually less is better. 
and I could see how this changes how I also work with my clients and how far I challenge them and, for example, challenge them not to do more things, but to do them better. Quality over quantity. Yes, we had it in one of the other episodes. Now I feel like there is something about essentialism, better over more. And another example was not to force myself when I'm just out of energy. There is a point in the evenings, I sometimes log in in the evenings to finish my work. And when I feel productive, then it's a good time like to finish it. But sometimes you just feel you reread the same sentence every time. And I remember when I'm being a lawyer and you have a deadline and you think it's urgent and important, you just go and get yourself another coffee and you try to get your levels, energy levels up to force yourself through it. And I don't do this anymore. It is so counterproductive for me. I much better spend time, just switch it off. Luckily, I'm my my own boss. But I also feel like in my times as a lawyer, I was a lot of the time my own boy. I could have made these decisions, but I felt I couldn't. So I choose to recharge, take time off, go and have a good sleep. And as soon as I, when I do it in the mornings, it takes so much less time. It just happens in the flow. I have peers like you, Frida, and my other business partners and my family to share it with. And they they notice a change in my husband yeah. notices a change of from when I was a lawyer and from me now, although I'm picking up some other habits <laughs> that I need to shake off. Um, but I think that, that's that's the important part. I mean that's what, what we're talking about today. It's it's I mean that it's literally mental health. We you know we we are in a state of fluctuation constantly. Sometimes we've got good habits, sometimes we've got bad habits. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's that's the great bridge to our today's topic. We want to talk about mental health because 10th of October is the World Mental Health Day. Yes, we're back after summer holidays. You would think that people are recharged, rested, full of vitamin D. However, many people after the first week, after the holiday, already feel stressed. First day. <laughs> yes, exactly. Even first day. There is something about coming back to the routine. There is something about facing the questions you were avoiding. And we live in a very uncertain world. After two years of COVID, energy crisis, political situation, stress is very high. And also stress has generally been high in the profession because it's about, a lot of it is about deadlines that feel important. And there is something about that stress equates to being busy and busy equates to being successful in your line of work. Our legal professional bodies spend a lot of time researching and thinking how to improve mental health in the legal profession. The Law Care ran a Life in the Law study in 2021. The SRA in 2022 published new rules on workplace culture. The Law Society is now responding to those new rules, saying, actually, we don't need more rules. They might actually be less beneficial to have more rules. But we're not going into that regulatory side of things. I'm glad this is happening. I'm glad there is more attention to it. But what we see 
is also happening is that we've been talking so much about mental health in the last three years that the words mental health lose their brightness. We become immune to this word. It's like when you're getting on the plane and the stewards start to say about the safety on board, you've heard it so many times, you, you don't even bother taking your headphones out. So we want to get a different lens today and focus on the individuals. And how does it feel? What kind of the signs for you as an individual to look out for? How to look after yourself? how to help yourself to stay in a healthy mental health or how to help yourself recover? Yes, I think it's really important that we look at this from a individual perspective. And I really value what you just said about mental health becoming a topic that is now immune. I mean, for the last two years, that has been what training and development has been on. It's been about looking after the health of the individuals through the pandemic whilst they've been adjusting to working from home full time, the stresses and strains that that brought on as well. But now that we've gone back into this corporate world, whether we're we're in this hybrid situation, whether we're full back time back in the office, whether we're still working full time from home, it's brought on its own set of mental health issues. But we don't want to talk about it now. We've talked about it too much. But I think it's still important to acknowledge that we're going to experience it. And that's what we want to do, is that we want to allow you to hear this through our stories, to show you that, like, standing on my own little soapbox saying how amazing I am. But, you know, I've been a successful lawyer. I've I've run a successful coaching and training and legal consultancy business. And I have struggled with my my own mental health issues. Anya's the same. She'll tell you the same. Running a successful business, but struggling with her own mental health issues. And if we can at least convey our stories that it's not a weakness, doesn't mean you're more exposed or more vulnerable. If you talk about things, it's actually really, really important. And that's what we want to convey today. Brida, you had an amazing definition of mental health. I've got a few definitions of mental health, but I'm going to, I'm, so I'm going to give you three. So the World, mental, uh, the World Health Organization mental health as the following. So it's a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. The Western Cape Government of South Africa defines mental health as not merely about an absence of mental illness, but rather the presence of mental health and well-being which I think is a really important distinction. And I've kind of combined these together to work out what I think this is. (laughs) And really, mental health is a state of well-being, something which everybody possesses, which can fluctuate from time to time. It's different from mental illness. And I can tell you the difference just so it's very clear. Mental illness includes a range of conditions for which there are standard criteria used to diagnose them, such as diagnosed depression, anxiety, substance abuse. A mental illness significantly affects how a person feels, thinks, behaves and interacts with other people. Mental health, as I said, is a state of well-being which fluctuates from time to time. It can also be a mental illness, but it isn't by virtue of the words mental health and mental illness. Lawyers, we love definitions and being precise. And it is important to draw this, to draw this difference between illness and health. And yet it is quite difficult to draw a clean line. 
I've done training in executive coaching and health, and I like the visual representation of it as a three-layered cake. On top of the cake where the icing is, there is wellness. When you are in good health, you really sense your abilities, you cope well with life, you're productive. Then there is the middle part of the cake, which is still wellness, but you have some struggles, probably stress when your coping abilities are up and down. And the lower layer of the cake is a place of recovery when your coping abilities are so low or your chemical disbalance, because mental health is chemical balance that your chemical disbalance is so uh, significant that you are not able to cope with it uh, without external help or potentially without treatment. But the lines between those three layers are very vague and it's only you, the person, who can feel what are your coping resources, where are you on that spectrum of green, amber and red. We wanted to focus, we want to, through personal stories, to help you find familiar words, sensations, feelings, to help you see the mental health through the eyes of someone who's been through challenges uh, of mental health. Our longing is to help you help yourselves before you get lower on that spectrum. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. Would you like me to share my, my the point where I realised that my mental yes. health was doing so? So I remember, gosh, it must have been like early 20, 2010, whatever whatever we call that in, in, in plural. I remember driving home one day. I, I just spent a night with a boyfriend at the time and um, he told me that this... Um, I didn't think it was going to work out. We'd been dating for six weeks. It wasn't. It wasn't a long, a long-term thing in the slightest. And if he, he recognises who I'm talking about, you know, there's no malintent or anything here. It, the point is, is that my reaction to that situation, that breakup, was completely extreme. And I got in my car, I burst into tears, and I drove back to France, where my parents were living at the time. So six hours I spent in really quite uncontrollable tears and logically in my brain the entire journey I'm going what is going on this makes absolutely no sense wasn't a committed relationship it was early stages what's going on here oh my goodness I'm going completely mad what what, what's happening to me and I got to my mum and and stepdads and and I I just said, you know, I don't know what's going on. And I'm really struggling. Logically, I can get myself out of this, but emotionally, I'm, I'm, I just can't. And I ended up asking my mum, you know, my mum's a doctor. And I said, what do I do? What, like, literally, what do I do? She she said, I think, you know, I think you need to go, go to a therapist because I don't think this has got anything to do with your current situation. I think this has got stuff to do with, with historical issues. So I did. And, and that's how I worked my, my way through it. But the signs of poor mental health had been there for about two years prior to that. I had lost physical weight in my body. I was uh, constantly not sleeping very well. I slept with my phone by my bed. I was constantly checking emails in the middle of the night. I was 
there was no balance in my life. It was all about work. The the stresses. I was constantly stressed and constantly telling everybody how busy and busy I was and how how much I was needed in work. I couldn't go on holiday because of X Y Z. So the signs were there. They were miles off before. I'd been in hospital with pneumonia. I'd been in hospital with glandular fever. I had been told by my CFO at the time, she she sent me a lovely email and just said, you are not to work for two weeks. I don't care what comes in. All of that was there. And yet, logically, I wasn't computing that to the problems I was experiencing. And to the outside world, I looked absolutely fine. Wow. Thank you for sharing this, Frida. It's a very personal thing to share. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And About this physical sign, when the signs are really shouting at you, I think that's the pitfall of the strengths of lawyers because lawyers are so capable that we learn to ignore the physical symptoms of it not going well. It starts with ignoring when you want to go to the loo uh, because you need to finish something important and urgent. Uh, skipping meal times to then skipping the physical signs of you getting illnesses and it's like well okay i will just take antibiotics the signs so because we're not listening the signs uh, need to become stronger for us to notice my experience of mental health was so i had i decided to uh, leave law and uh, start my coaching business So starting my own business was a labor of love. I was ambitious to build up a successful business. It was intellectually and character challenging. I started to work in the evenings, on weekends, more and more. And I also had two small children at the time. And so sleep was not guaranteed. And at some point I felt quite stressed. And I realized that I need to put some boundaries in place around my work hours. And so I did. Yet that feeling of worry took up residence and it was present daily around small things. So it didn't feel significant, but was very persistent. Then COVID came and 18 months of working from home with children and homeschooling. My husband and I became time management ninjas. And although we managed to organize ourselves well around that time, there was no mental space to recharge. And I started to feel tired a lot of the time. I then started to experience many physical symptoms that felt like hormonal changes. And I started to think that I am reaching perimenopause. I went to see my GP and they sent me for all the tests that you do. And when the test results came back, they showed that I have no menopause characteristics And actually, all the symptoms that I was experiencing were probably a sign of stress and anxiety. And it was all building up over probably four years. And you realize consciously that you are under a lot of stress and that you need to do something about it. So you do good practices and you think you're managing. I reached a point when I had a burnout and it just happened really suddenly. I collapsed. Collapsed in a sense of I didn't collapse physically, but mentally, I could only see the negatives. I didn't notice any of my achievements. I could only focus on what was not happening as I wanted. I was exhausted. 
I slept for 12, 13 hours and was still sleepy. I had to cancel my work. And despite getting enough of sleep, focusing on my well-being, eating well, not drinking alcohol, going out, it was still not enough for me to to feel rested. Yeah. And um, it felt like being in a boat and paddling against a very strong tide. And the tide is carrying you somewhere and you don't know where it's carrying me. And that was my metaphor of like, oh, that's what it feels like when you have a chemical disbalance and mental health is already not in, in the wellness, but it, it goes into the um, health challenge. And I realized that it's uh, becoming bigger than just this maintenance management that I needed to get um, external help. And I reached out to therapy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's thank you for sharing that as well, because I think some of those those things about that negative self-talk, that negative only seeing the negatives, unable to kind of find that energy to be able to move forwards to like to get out of bed. And, and it's just like that. I'm sleeping a lot you know they're really clear signs that something's not quite right and that metaphor I love that metaphor you're always using amazing metaphors um it's it sounds like you're out of resources to be able to rewrite yourself down that stream you know I know I'm going in the wrong direction I've recognized that but how do I get myself in the right direction and I know I know there's a rapid if I carry on going the direction I'm going in. So, you know, how do I how do I get back on track? And the, I think that that's just it, I mean, those are both two stories from our personal experiences of, of, of poor mental health. And I hope that they do resonate for people who may, may be finding themselves in, in similar situations, even if the, you know, the actual circumstances are different. Yes. And an important thing is that in both our cases, your work doesn't suffer. Yeah. For the outside world, you perform fine. Even for people who know you well, they don't necessarily see the change because you're just so capable and you do things to a really high standard always. Uh, so you don't have to, don't expect that you will not be able to draft a contract or hold a negotiation. The thing is that you probably use all your energy to hold that facade when you're at work, but you, as soon as you can relax in the comfort of your home or with your with your family, you feel completely out of shape. Yeah, and I think that actually leads quite nicely into what we we came up with for a hypothesis. Hi, hypothesis. Don't know what that word is, but a hypothesis, <laughs> and and it's a really really simple hypothesis this this one and it is what we resist persists and I think that our stories each of our stories has shown that is that we resisted looking at it the signs were there they carried on until it was really really loud and voluminous voluminous <laughs> there's another new word and um, it carried on and we didn't get better ignoring it, repressing it down into our stomachs, as it was in my case, just, just ignoring the signs didn't help us to get healthier. So it just persisted. Yes. Yeah. You will realize that you are your best tool and you need to hone it. And the experiment we want to give you today is 
to notice what are you feeling right now? What are the signs that you are experiencing of what, wherever you are on the mental health spectrum? If you're very high on wellness, that's a good thing to notice too. Know what are the signs of you being well? And what are you not acknowledging about yourself? And what are the options or perspectives that you hold? And if you feel like your resources are quite low and your ability to cope is not where it used to be, who will you ask for help today? Yeah, we're really asking you to acknowledge, acknowledge how you're feeling, good or bad, noting that down, noticing where you're struggling, noticing where there may be some resistance or things that aren't going wrong or you're feeling you know, habits are being broken, like normal habits that you know are good habits are being broken. I use that that yoga class at the very beginning to, to kind of as an indicator of I cancelled my exercise class. Okay, that's probably an indicator that something needs to just be just checked on. And then, you know, if you don't feel like you have the resources at the moment to get yourself back on track, then maybe think about who you can reach out to today for some support. That's it for this week's episode of the Lawyer Life Experiment podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. It was presented to you by Anya Smirnova and Frida Levitsky. Find our information and contacts in the podcast note. We love to hear your views on this podcast. Please reach out to us or use the link in the show notes to give us a review. You can also subscribe and like and tell your friends about it. And have fun experimenting. 